Park. It's an 87th Precinct podcast super mini extra bonus episode. Whilst we're waiting for the gang to get back together and talk to you about Fiddlers, the final book in the 87th Precinct series, I thought I'd better pop along and talk to you about the story Merely Hate, because of all the little odds and sods, the extras and little bits and pieces that you come across with the 87th Precinct, this is the one that's got the most content to it, and it may be one that perhaps some people haven't heard of, because it's buried away in a book called Transgressions. Now, Transgressions was published in Orion Books in the UK in 2005 and Forge Books in America on the 1st of May 2005. Specific date there for you. And it's 10 novellas in one volume. It was also then later released in a series of four volumes with the story split across those. But the important thing is it's a really interesting collection of tales from different authors. But for our purposes, the real key is that not only does it contain Merely Hate, an 87th Precinct story, but it was also edited by McBain and pulled together by him. I mean, 2005, we know, is going to be the last year of McBain's life, and this does come out before Fiddlers. So I'll just tell you a little bit about it, and the book in general, and then specifically about Merely Hate, for this little extra bit here from me, Paul. So, like I say, Orion and Forge Books are the publishers. There was also an exclusive edition of 226 copies, where they got that number from, I have no idea, which were released in hardcover with a slipcase, hand-numbered and signed by all the authors. So how they got them to do that, I assume they didn't gather them all in a room or post all the books to them. It must have been sheets that were pasted into the various volumes. So you would have uh, had all the signatures of everyone who contributed. So I've got a little picture here, yeah. The signed first edition of Transgressions is published in an edition of 226 copies, of which 200 number copies have been released to the trade, and 26 lettered copies have been reserved for the authors and the publisher. There you go, that's their reasoning. The book, then, contains stories from the following people. So, Ed McBain aside, obviously he's got a story in here, we have Donald E. Westlake, who you'll probably know quite a bit about. bit of McBain-related trivia is that Westlake had a story published in Ed McMain's mystery book, which was a little sort of magazine thing back in 1961. Uh, well, it wasn't a story, it was an article. It was called Breakout, and it was all about factual prison breaks. So there's a funny little link there. We have a story from Anne Perry, who's an English writer who writes historical detective fiction. They have a story from Joyce Carol Oates, who's an American writer from New York. Walter Mosley, who writes the Easy Rawlins Mysteries. Sharon McCrum, who writes stories set in the Appalachian Mountains, a series called the Ballad Series. We have some guy called Stephen King. You might have heard of him, possibly. I shouldn't have to explain Stephen King to anyone. We have a story from John Farris, who, a bit like King, is a sort of horror writer, gothic thing. He's more of a southern gothic type of writer. And we have Jeffrey Deaver, another crime and thriller writer, who has also written one of the official James Bond novels that have come out since... Ian Fleming went a long time ago. It's called Carte Blanche. And we have a story from our old pal Lawrence Block, who, again, I shouldn't have to explain him to you, but his relationship and his story with, with McBain is, you know, they're very sort of parallel careers, really. And uh, so we've mentioned Lawrence quite a lot on this show. But to come to the development of this, obviously McBain was asked to put together the, the uh, stories, and he writes a little introduction in here. So, as always, any bits of McBain writing literally in his own voice is, is very interesting. 
And so he talks a bit about his history in the pulp magazines was was the way he understood novelettes and how it was a bit strange to sort of ask a lot of modern authors how he pulled them all together and who he approached and, and who they got. So that's always interesting as well. I did look through the archive, the Evan Hunter, Ed McBain archive, to see if I could find any information about this. And the only thing I could find was references to all the stories that are in the book. But then there's also a story called April, which is listed as being approximately 150 pages, which is listed in the archive, but is not in this book. Sadly, it doesn't say who the author of that one would have been. So don't go thinking it's some missing McBain. It was probably something that was submitted and he had to select 10 from the the ones that he, he received as well. So, merely hate. It comes to us after a brief introduction to who Ed McBain is, from Ed McBain, which is quite fun. And he does mention that Fiddlers will be published this year, 2005, and is the 56th title in the 87th Precinct series. I mean, that's interesting how he's counting it as the 56th, unless he's counting this as the 55th. I'm calling it book 54A in my collection. It's much longer it's 73 pages. I reckon it's probably 30,000 words. It's much longer than reruns, which was featured in the TV Guide magazine, or Love or Money, which we talked about from the BBC competition. And frankly, it's also much better than both of those. I mean, part of it makes me think back to the story Jay, which is featured in The Empty Hours from low those many years ago, in that it's a crime that hinges around race and religion and is triggered by a painted clue. So in J, it opens with the murder of a rabbi and the letter J is painted on a wall beside him. In Merely Hate, we open on the murder of a taxi driver in his cab and there's been a Star of David spray painted on the windshield. And so this triggers a series of events, uh, various murders that look to be hate, race or religion crimes. So we're talking about this happening in essentially a post 9-11 world. 9-11 is mentioned in here. And we end up with Four victims, all cab drivers, that are killed in the same way, and a copycat murder as well. This triggers a wave of bombings across the city too. Well, at least two that we know of here. So it's a very, very interesting look at, again, a McBain favourite, the changing face of the city, the, the way that different groups of people come in. And displace is not perhaps the right word, but how the, the areas in the city change to become more predominantly one ethnic or social background than there were in the past. You know, this is something that McBain himself has seen. I mean, being born in the city in 1926 and essentially lived there for all his life, except for that little bit in Florida. Yeah. So with 30,000 words worth of story, you get quite a lot of the 87th Precinct. This is much more than just a little bonus thing, really. You've got Corella and Maya Maya being the two key investigators. The Star of David aspect obviously brings Maya's Jewishness into it into play as part of the sort of the pondering on the case and the worry about the the relationship between Muslims, Saudis, people who've come from Afghanistan, all that sort of thing, Palestine, everything going on. We have Monaghan and Monroe. We have Carl Blaney. We have a bunch of extra police people on on the scene doing bits and pieces. The people down the phone that we normally get, like ballistics and stuff like that. We do get appearances from Bert Kling and Arthur Brown. We get appearances briefly from Hal Willis and Eileen Burke. We also have Andy Parker turning out to know loads about the structure of how names are formed in different uh, different ethnic backgrounds and the question of whether he is really intelligent and no one's been giving him credit or that the truth might be that he just reads a lot. 
you know, sometimes these bigots are very well informed. It helps them to keep their bigotry up to date, doesn't it? So he's exactly that type of person. We get Lieutenant Burns. We get a little couple of moments with Dick Gennaro in there as well. And then we have a lot of procedure, a lot of asking questions, a lot of pulling together the pieces, a lot of aha, which is quite important in this one. And I don't think we've really had in this way for a little while as well. So it's an exercise in writing the 87th Precinct, but it's also an exercise in talking about the city in a particular place and time with the sort of tensions that are around that were unignorable, particularly in the wake of 9-11 in the early part of the 21st century. If you haven't read it, I would go and dig it out. It's worth it for the whole 10 stories together, although you can, like I say, get it in one of the volumes where there's only three stories in, in there anyway. But you shouldn't be without it if you're an 87th Precinct collector. And once you've read that, you can move on to Fiddlers, which is the last book in the 87th Precinct series. And it's something that we will be back soon to talk about. Until then, fare thee well. Well.